Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see everyone. All those in the cars in the parking lot, if you're there in the radio land where you're listening, we're glad that you've tuned in to our worship service this morning. We appreciate you coming and we appreciate you praying and appreciate uh, everything that you do for the Lord, for the church, and we're so glad to be here. But before we get started on our message this morning, I'd like to thank all of you for the vote of confidence in me to be your interim pastor. Carolyn and I are available should you need us at any time. We are here to serve God and each of you. Welcome to all of you who are watching this morning. We appreciate you tuning in. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 13 through 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. We want to be speaking this morning on steps to revival. Other scripture that I'll read before we get to that. Psalm 138, verse 7 Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me, that thou stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and that thy right hand shall save me. Psalm 51, 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Habakkuk 3.2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. These verses are prayers of restoration, of revival for the nation of Israel. The revival of the individual heart also that goes to make up our nations today. We need revival. Revival must begin with the individual, I believe. I believe the Holy Spirit needs to speak to our own hearts. And as he speaks to our hearts, we become so excited that we're willing to go out and do whatever the Lord has asked us to do. But sometimes that revival fails to come because we fail to ask for revival and renewal. All great revivals involve complete stewardship of a person toward the Lord. We must give ourselves totally unto him before revival will ever come. At Pentecost, the people gave themselves to prayer, a prayer of forgiveness of their sin, a prayer of restoration and fellowship in that uh, congregation that they had there, and also a prayer of filling of the Holy Spirit and the power that the Spirit was going to give to the church, each individual in that church. We need that power. And we see in that early church that they gave themselves to service. They gave whatever they had. But the biggest thing that we need to give is ourselves in that service. They gave themselves to complete consecration. They gave up on living the Christian life on their terms. And they started living the Christian life on the terms of the Lord Jesus Christ. They gave themselves to financial stewardship. They gave. And I praise the Lord for this church, you give. And I appreciate that. 
And that will go a long way in the building of God's kingdom. In Martin Luther's day, there was a revival we call the Reformation. He stood on the doorstep there, and in his speech, he said, the just shall live by faith. And folks, we got to do that today. He gave himself completely to proclaiming the Bible in truth and in purity. The Bible, if we will listen to it as God speaks to us through his word, it will change our habits. It will change our lives. It will change us to the point that our talk will be different, our walk will be different. But yet, as we see in that early church, the cost was great. Many of them had to give their lives because of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The cost was great, but you know the rewards were much greater. And that's the same thing that will happen to us today. If we are willing to give the cost of revival, God's rewards will simply be out of this world for us. Harvests are not gathered without first one, first someone sowing the seed. You ever plant a garden without sowing seed? It doesn't happen, does it? You ever try to witness to someone without first sowing the seed of the Bible? It just won't happen. That seed must be planted. And as we look at the church here, what beautiful music we have heard since we have been over here. Yes, it's beautiful music. And the word, as it is written, must be believed. And if it's believed, and as it is spoken, we must put it into action in our daily lives. Sowing will not take place until first there is a restoring of relationships with our holy and righteous Savior, Jesus Christ. The steps to revival, then, are God's people giving themselves. And that's our first point this morning. We must be consecrated. Turn with us to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice in order to be consecrated to the Lord. Revival will come. When we give up, when we give in and say, Lord, you take me, you take this church, you take this community, and you use it for your glory to win the lost to you because one day will be our last day here in this church, here on this earth, and we will be in heaven. Those of us that are saved and have been saved and know that we're saved, we will be in glory with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will see the one who died for us on Calvary's cross. But yet there must be a consecration of our lives. We must present ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ for his glory. But the Bible also says, do not be conformed to the world. Isn't that happening today all over the world? Everybody is getting in on the bandwagon of this and that. 
But yet when we speak to them about the Word of God and getting in His step and getting in His uh, place that we ought to be serving, it's a different story. But let the world come up with something and everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. But the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. And folks, how we do that, we must humble ourselves before the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, here I am. Isn't that what the great men of the Bible did? They gave up trying to live life their way. They humbled themselves before the Lord Jesus Christ, before God Almighty, and God used them in a mighty way. And God can use this church right here in this community in a mighty way if we will just give up, quit living our lives our way, and let God show us how to live and what to do. But we must be consecrated in our lives and we must be consecrated in our prayer life. The Bible says pray without ceasing. We must pray about our waywardness, about our sins, about our laziness. But folks, those are important. But what about our witnessing? Do we take every chance that we get to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? What about our selfishness sometimes? It gets in the way, doesn't it, of what God wants us to do. But the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let me read from Ephesians chapter uh, 6 now. Beginning in verse 10, and you'll see what goes on here. And the Lord says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. So how are we going to fight against the devil? Well, we can't do it on our own, but we can do it through the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit that lives within our heart, who gives us strength, who helps us every day because we are fighting against the devil and his crew who wants to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ and the church. Don't be conformed to this world because we are Christ's witnesses here on this earth. Take unto you the whole armor of God. What is that armor? Well, the Bible says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Are we truthful? Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now in ourselves, we don't have any righteousness, but we have the righteousness of God whom he has given to us his righteousness that we might be able to face the wiles of the devil. But he also says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel 
of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now listen to what Paul said. Paul was a mighty man of God. He said, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. If you study the life of Paul, you see that wherever he went, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter how much persecution he faced, he would come out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he would stand up for the cause of Christ. And folks, I believe that we need to do that today in order for the church to be doing what it needs to be doing in the community. We need to be uttering the words of God without apology. Have you noticed on the television lately that they just won't say anything about God, about Christ? How many of you watched the debates? How many watched, have watched the uh, commercials of all the candidates? Not one word or mention of God anywhere that I've heard. Folks, God is still in charge. And if this nation wants to come back to where it used to be in serving the Lord, then God must be put back on the throne in our politicians' lives, in all the people in the United States' lives, in order for him to do that. Because we don't wrestle with ourselves in per se. We wrestle against the devil and all of his angels. And the devil is so much more powerful than we are except for the power of Jesus Christ that he has given to each and every one of us. We can resist the devil, and the Bible says he will flee. What a wonderful Savior we have. Oh, the second point, God's people consecrated and compassionate. Now, what does it mean to be compassionate? What about church? Look in Luke 14, verses 16 to 20, and you'll see some things about people. Not very much compassion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Not very much compassion for the church or for the cause of Jesus Christ in these men's lives. There must be a deep 
interest in compassion in our churches today. We must recognize sin and its true light. Sin will destroy. Sin will separate us from God. That's the words of God himself. Sin will destroy and separate. We must realize the lostness of the unsaved. How many of you have prayed for a lost person this week? How many of you have called someone who, have, who you know is lost and invited them to Jesus Christ or to church? I think we've lost that edge. We need to be about the Father's business. Isn't that what Jesus Christ said? He's going to the cross. He knows he's going to the cross. But Peter, Lord, we're going to do something else. Jesus said, no. The cross is mine. And I must be about my father's business. Because he knew we needed a savior. But we must realize the lostness of the unsaved. And if you'll go on reading in that scripture, the householder said, none of those men who were invited will taste my supper. I believe that points to that lost person giving up on the call of Jesus Christ in their heart and life. And the Bible says, Jesus says that they'll never taste my supper. Well, when will we taste that supper? Well, when we get to glory, we're going to sit down at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Christ is going to serve him, all of us himself. We're going to taste that supper. But with this human uh, illustration here, Christ is giving us a warning that we must be about our Father's business. And we must be consecrated and compassionate in our work for the Lord Jesus Christ. We must go where they are and use our influence, the influence that the Holy Spirit gives unto us. What a wonderful Savior we have. What a wonderful keeper we have in the Holy Spirit of God. He knows what's going on. He's right there with us every step of the way. He knows what we need. He knows the words that we need to say. And the Holy Spirit will give those words, those illustrations unto us if we will open our heart and mind to him. What can we do? We'll go invite the lost to come into the service, into the house of God. And don't quit. Don't quit. It may take weeks. It may take months. It may take years. My wife had two uncles in which their wives witnessed to them for over 40 years before they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It may not happen in a week, a month, or even a year. It may take years. But if you keep praying and you keep inviting and you keep praying that Lord's will is going to be done, somewhere they're either going to have to say yes or turn their backs completely on the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, 
if we pray, if we keep up what God wants us to do, harvest will come. You know, in the springtime, when you go out there and you plow that ground up and you uh, disc it up and you lay the rows off and you put your fertilizer in, you put your seed in, if you are patient, harvest will come. May take 30 days, may take 60 days, may take longer. But when you put that seed in the ground, harvest will come. That's the same way with us witnessing to the lost. When you put the word in their heart, in their ears, so they can hear it and understand it, harvest, I believe, will come somewhere down the road. Or either they are so hard-hearted, so in tune with the devil's work, that they will not accept it any way, shape, or form. But folks, we are living in harvest time, I believe. I believe God wants us to go out. He wants us to do what he has commanded us to do. But consecrated and compassionate. But what happens when we do that? Well, the Bible says that God will give the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 It's somewhere in here. Paul was saying, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Has God called you to plant? Has he called you to water? Has he called you to hoe out the weeds and plow the ground? Whatever it is that he's called you to do, he expects us to do it. But who is going to give the increase? It's God. It's God. We must be faithful unto him and do what he has called us to do. Well, when are we going to do that? Now, I'm going to speak to the church just a little bit. When we surrender ourselves to him. When we are, or when we give up, trying to do it on our own. When we surrender to him, and the Holy Spirit has free range to work in our hearts and in our lives and in our churches, I believe God will start giving the increase again. Back in the late 1700s, 1800s, people were coming to the Lord in groves. They were having revivals that lasted for months and weeks. One was in New England, one was in Ireland, and it lasted for months. People were coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But why don't we have revivals like that anymore? Is it because we have become uninterested that we're just not doing what God wants us to do? But when will God do that? Well, I think the Bible gives us the answer when we surrender ourselves to him and are willing to be blessed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, harvest time's coming. Harvest time's coming. Folks, just keep it up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep on 
keeping on, as one of my professors said at Fruitland. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't turn around. Don't let people discourage you. I can imagine all of those folks in these early Bible times when those Jewish leaders would come, especially the unsaved Paul, who was Saul. He would go around to the different households. And, <coughs> excuse, excuse me. And if you were a Christian, he would arrest you and take you to jail simply because you loved the Lord Jesus Christ. But did they quit? No, they didn't. Many of them were put to death. Many of them were taken to the Roman Colosseum. And I was just reading the other day. They would skin a lamb and they would put that skin, that hide on a person and they would turn hungry dogs loose in that Colosseum. And of course with that lamb's skin on, you can imagine what took place. Many, many martyrs who refused to give up on their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, such as Stephen. Paul took Stephen. Of course, Stephen preached that sermon, and I believe that sermon convicted Paul's heart because as they were stoning Stephen, the Bible tells us that Paul or Saul, was looking on, and he was holding the cloaks of those throwing the stones. And I don't believe he ever got over it. I believe that when he was going down that road to Damascus, and the Lord Jesus Christ appeared unto him, of course, you know what the Bible says, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul thought he was right. This new sect that's going on here, all of this strange teaching, they're wrong. Saul thought he was right until that Damascus Road experience. Lord, what would you have me do? And that's the same experience that we need to have today. Lord, what is it that you would have me do? Paul was willing to do whatever the Lord wanted him to do. If he spent months and weeks in prison, didn't bother to him. If he was changed to prisoners, he would just witness to them. The Bible tells us that he was at midnight, Paul and Silas one night, after they had been beaten, they began to sing songs of Zion, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says God shook the whole place and the doors sprang open. And the jailer came in expecting to kill himself because the prisoner's gone. Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And the Bible says that Paul witnessed to him and that jailer came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior and his household. That's a promise that God has given to each and every one of us. And so that's why we need to be speaking on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Harvest time will come. It may take years. So don't become discouraged. 
We must plant the seed. And when we plant the seed, there's going to be times when you're going to have to water, when you're going to have to go back. And you're going to have to be friends with that lost person. Now, I didn't say join in with what he was doing. I was saying that you need to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ and invite that lost person. Plant the seed, water, cultivate, just like you would that garden because you're expecting a big old harvest of green beans and corn and watermelons. But God's expecting the harvest of souls today. Mankind lost on their way to hell, but God has provided a way that they don't have to go. And you know, the outcome belongs to God. He just uses us. However long we've been saved, however long God leaves us here, God uses us for his glory. Eugene Peterson, in closing. Don't remember where I got this, but I got it somewhere. He said, wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly. Make sure you know what the master wants you to do. So how do we know that? Well, we got to speak to the master. We got to go to him in prayer. We got to allow him to show us through his word, through the Holy Spirit speaking to our heart, just exactly what he wants us to do. You folks listening on the radio, wherever you are, surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a decision that you'll never regret. Well, how do I surrender? Well, you got to do just like I did. You got to give up. You got to quit living life your way and say Lord here I am that's what I did and he did exactly what he promised to do he came in that night and changed me forever and he will do you the, exactly the same way when you give up when you quit when you want to start walking in his way God said I'll walk with you every step of the way I want you to know that God loves you. The Bible says so in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is love according to 1 John. Can't get around that. God is love. And he wants to be your Savior. 
He wants to walk with you, strengthen you every day because he's making a place in heaven for each and every one of his children. I don't know about you, but in my younger days, I could eat pretty well, but I don't know what we're going to be eating when we're sitting at that table of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's going to be heavenly food, and it won't hurt us one bit. I can't wait to get there. And I hope and pray that you're the same way. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Isn't that what John prayed? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your wonderful love. We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your mercy. Help us to have compassion. Help us to consecrate ourselves. And help us to do what God wants us to do through the strength, through the wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit who lives in our heart and life. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. Now, bless these folks who are listening, wherever they may be. Touch their hearts. They can call out right now unto you and ask for forgiveness and ask for salvation, and you promised that you would come to them. Turning no one away, what a wonderful Savior, what a wonderful promise we have from him. Lord, May your will be done and help us to live for you all the days that we have here on this earth. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For it's in your son's wonderful name that we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.